Hello and welcome everyone to the 39th episode of the Pointy Hatcast. I am your host Sam, also known as Ducky O'Brien on Twitch, and we are joined today by our co-host, fellow time travelers, Barry. Excellent! Today's episode is on the power of music, Bill and Ted face to music. Our email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Once again, the email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Please send us any questions or comments as well as any requests for movies for us to watch. Bill and Ted Face the Music was released on August 2020 in the US. It was directed by Dean Pariseau. The screenplay was written by Chris Matson and Ed Solomon. It stars Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Kristen Schaal, Samara Weaving, Bridget Lundy Payne, William Stadler, Anthony Kerrigan, and many more. Currently, as of this podcast, it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 82% for critics and 72% for the audience. Once told, they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure. Two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California find themselves as middle-aged dads still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. Why don't we get into it, Barry? Take us away. This is a most non 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 heinous movie, guys. What a ride. Everything about this film defies convention because it shouldn't have been made and it never should have been good, but after watching it, it was enjoyable. It should have flopped, like, horrifically in every single way. The tone is from, you know, ported forward... Uh, uh. 20 years? 30 years now? Yeah, 30 years. Uh, Excellent Adventure came out in 89, and Bogus Journey came out in 91, I want to say. A couple years later. And it took 30 years to for this movie film to get remade, and here we are. And... It got a lot of things right. I don't think it was a perfect film, but I did enjoy it very much. It's a much-needed ray of optimism and hope and good feelings in a miserable time thanks to <laughs> yeah thanks to coronavirus it maintains the most important part of these films which is the earnest non-cynical just good-hearted moral core i think yeah i agree with that yeah Again, there's not really very much cynicism, if any, at all. You can mostly say that there's not really a villain at all, either. And everything's just about... being excellent to each other. <laughs> That's not to say there's no conflict, but the conflict comes just from, you know, the story... whatever story there is, such, such as there is. I really enjoyed the ride. I think that the performances were, for the most part, pretty good. Although, I guess Sam and I disagree a bit, a bit on this. I think everything, uh, they nailed the tone of it. The balance of how how close to the original should we get. Because in yeah. the originals, they're supposed to be, it's, a, it's like a high school comedy, like an 80s high school comedy. and Which means they're pretty young. And if you think about it, nobody talks the way they talked when they were in high school after 30 years. <laughs> I certainly don't talk the same way now. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't been 30 years quite yet. I'm not, I'm old. I'm not that old yet. But, <laughs> you know, that just that the cadence and delivery of everything, they have to, they have to ride that balance. And I think, I think they found a pretty good middle ground. I enjoyed 
the performances of the daughters. I was really worried about that. I thought that could be terrible. Me too. I thought that could that could be the the one thing that really takes the movie down. But they were wonderful. Uh, Samara Weaving, who was in another movie that I saw very recently called Guns Akimbo with Harry Potter. Sounds like Call of Duty. It was actually an enjoyable film. It was mm, like okay. an action set piece that got drawn out to a feature length, basically. I might check it out then. Don't go in expecting high art or anything, but it's like an action set piece or maybe like a really good YouTube effects channel short film. Freddy but, Wong. Yeah, like a, like a rocket jump or a Freddy Wong or a quarter or digital like little action comedy thing, but in feature length. And Samara Weaving was in was one of the leads in that, and she was she was pretty good. It's not really a platform to display, you know, acting chops or anything, but she was alright in it. She's the daughter of Hugo Weaving, who has some history with Keanu. No, sorry, she's the niece, right? Niece of Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Which is I think part of why she got this role. Because Keanu was that kind of guy. He's like, oh, dude, come be in my movie. <laughs> I Miss <know> Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> and Brigitte Lundy Payne, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, was, I think she kind of stole the show. They had a great performance. It was almost a knockoff Ted from Excellent Adventure, but it was just so charming that I really liked the performance. <laughs> It was quite a thing to behold. Like, all mm-hmm. the nuances, all, like, the body movement, like, whoa! And, like, yeah. that half-vacant stare that Keanu had. So it was all there, and yet, it was still good. Slapped on top of another actor. I don't know how else to describe it. Alex Winter makes a most triumphant return. Apparently, he also played Grandma Winter in that horror, little horror skit in Hell. In, Not really. She was yeah. terrifying. Yeah, that was just Alex Winter in prosthetics. Wow. And I realized it in this film when they did the bit with their older selves. I was looking at him. I'm like, this is somehow terrifying, and I can't place why. <laughs> it looks mm. a lot like Grandma Winter. And I looked it up. It was you know, that. That was just Alex Winter. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like, wow, what a performance! I got like 30 years later. I'm like, wow, that was impressive. Kid Cudi was great. That was also another role that could have really fallen flat, and it did not. It worked pretty well. Now the robot, robot guy, robot oh, guy was really good. It was good. awesome. I, I, I felt, Discount I felt death. very conflicted. Uh, Anthony Kerrigan, yeah, Anthony Kerrigan, yeah. there we go. I felt really conflicted about that character, that I'll, and I'll, I'll go into it a little bit more later. Uh, mm, William okay. Sadler makes a drum for return as death. I think he stole the show a little bit too. It was like he slipped straight back into that role. It was like no time had passed at all because he didn't look like he aged. His performance there is just wonderful. It's hilarious. <laughs> and I think the overall conception and execution of the film is. It certainly surpasses my expectation. I'll say that. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, uh, I thought that the movie was a really good melding of the original two. I don't like Bogus Journey as much, and I went over that in the podcast, but 
Yeah, like they took the best parts of Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey and then modernized it without really losing the heart of both films and it should have failed. This type of movie is very hard to make because there's it's not just like if you can pull it off, but there's a lot of expectations from fans and that ruins a movie because no matter how good the movie is, if it doesn't live up to the fans' expectation of it, what they have imagined in their mind, which is not very specific, by the way, then they're not going to like it no matter how good the movie is. And somehow, they kept the spirit of the original films alive and made it a little bit new, a little bit different. But yeah, going over the stuff that I like, it's basically excellent adventure and bogus journey combined together. Like, they do the same things. They go back and revisit all the things they pay tribute to George Carlin, rest in peace, at the very beginning. It's a sweet little moment. You know, they don't, like, milk it for anything. It's just like, here's Rufus, and they're like, oh, Rufus, and then they move on. And then, you know, they replace him with the new comedian, <laughs> Christian Shaw. So it's like, uh, there's a comedian there playing the role of a time traveler. You know, they have all the things. They got death there. Uh, they go back to hell, like all these things and it hits all those beats and then it keeps the same message of like, like I said before, being excellent to each other. There's no real cynicism here, like you mentioned, like there's no hating on anyone, even Dennis, you know, who's made to be annoying. They're just like, ah, oh, just come along, Dennis. <laughs> you know, It wasn't like it's about where, family. Yeah, it's about family. <laughs> it wasn't like in Bogus journey where you know they're kind of mean to death it's more like they were just slightly annoyed here so they kind of tone it down a little bit and yeah like it's a message that we kind of need where it's not like a deep theme or anything but it's just like oh if you come together then we can solve these problems we can get through this and you know that's that's been at the heart of these movies and something we needed especially now more than ever but yeah there's only one thing i didn't like you know, the movie isn't perfect, but uh, I thought that Keanu's performance was a little more flatter than usual. He had more, like, expression, and I I just feel like he's old. <laughs> that's what I feel like. I feel like he's old. Now, this part where he was trying to do the British accent, I was like, oh, it's so flat. Like, everything about his performance was a little flat. But that's the point for that scene, Sam. It's I, not him being a British person. It's him pretending to be himself, yeah, pretending yeah, to be a British person. Yeah, I know, person. but like, it, <laughs> There's it, a it wasn't He's there. He's a guy, was, dude, pretending to be the dude who's pretending to be the other dude. Yeah, yeah, but like, if you watch him in Excellent Adventure, he has more to his face, like his voice, his mannerisms. In this one, it felt more like Keanu trying to be Ted. Not that I have a problem with it. Compared to the older films, it was just like, oh, that's not Ted, that's just Keanu. And that was my only complaint. Doesn't take away from the movie, but I just, uh, I feel like he's just old now. <laughs> I feel it. It looks great. As opposed to like Alex Winter, which is like he just came back into the role. He looks slightly more wrinkly, but it's like he came fresh out of that movie and then he came into this one, and then he didn't really change. So that was why, you know, I made the comparison because, you know, Alex Winter, it's like he, he came back 100%. Keanu came back like 50%. Maybe John Wick was. I mean, too Keanu strong. went from Baba Yaga to this, you know, it's kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of two different movies. It's kind of hard. 
Also, I feel like, has Alex Winter gotten a lot of work? I feel like uh, maybe Keanu played too many roles and he couldn't remember what it was like. That's an odd thing to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too much work. Too much work. Uh, now I can't play Ted the way he used to. I believe Alex Winter does a lot of directing on smaller projects. Because, uh, yeah, I felt like I didn't see him in a lot of movies. Uh, hopefully he had some stuff to do because I, like uh, I know he did some television he was in robot chicken quite a few episodes oh as okay the last preston esquire <laughs> <laughs> and a few other small characters uh All right. he's had some voice acting work i believe yeah here and there you know that's a shame he's much more prolific as a director i think yeah i'm just saying there's a lot of talent that's not being used i'll just uh State what I liked about the story, and then uh, and then we can go over whatever. Uh, I just wanted to say that I thought the themes in the movie were a little bit more mature, like but still funny. I really like that scene when they're in marriage counseling, couples therapy. I love that scene, and there was like a uh, more gravitas to that sort of scene than in the previous movies, where like, oh, there's an actual problem here. Some emotional conflict. I don't know if you felt that way or not. I like, I, I like, you mentioned the, you were talking about the marriage counseling bit. Yeah. I like that it's not like some dumb manufactured romance drama. Yeah. It's just, it's an entirely, it's kind of a brutally real thing where like it your is. lives just go in a different direction than you thought they would and the marriage is strained because of it. But you see very clearly that at, at the core of it, they, they're still very much. They still very much love their spouses. I love that, by the way, and I'm, I forgot to mention this, the, the princesses mm. have so much more to do in this film than yep. they did in the yep. previous two. <laughs> they had nothing to do in the other movies at all. I like that by design because it kept the focus on Bill and Ted, and in this third one, I like how they expanded that to include the wives and the kids, the daughters. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was. it's a delicate balancing act when you have what could theoretically be like six leads and three separate pl- plots, but everybody got, you know, a reasonable amount of screen time and nice little segues into and out of the plot. Totally, I like the pacing and editing because they cut out a lot of stuff to keep it at a pretty good clip throughout the movie. It's only 90 minutes like the previous films, and I feel like they don't really waste your time with scenes that you don't need yeah i will i will say the time thing is part of one of my few nitpicks about the film they make they keep very very specific time like they literally show you how much time is going to be left in the movie oh yeah yeah and in general as like a storytelling rule you do not give specifics like that you'll just let your audience fill in the gaps as far as the flow of time you're creating an illusion of time passing when in fact you can compress and elongate moments as long as you want as a filmmaker in, in the edit. And whenever you have like a literal running clock like that, you limit your ability to do that. For instance, I'm going to give a very simple example. When Luke and old Ben Kenobi go from Tatooine to Alderaan, they never tell you how explicitly how long that takes. Okay, that could be five mm, yeah. minutes, that could be five months. They never tell you. They let you figure it out for yourself in the edit and like kind of fill in the blanks and let 
the flow of the plot carry you through time. But they never tell you, it's like, oh, it's been a week since we've been to Tatooine, you know? Because you don't, you don't really need to. You don't hand that information out. You let the audience figure it out for themselves so that it gives you room to kind of play with time in the edit. And they, they really, they really, really gave us a lot of information there. Like every five minutes, they pulled out the little stopwatch and like, we have 71 minutes left. And just look at the screen. <laughs> True. Also, that causes the problem where, you know, if something on screen takes like 20 minutes, but then only like one minute has passed, you're like, wait a minute. I mean, not like not that it would deter me from enjoying the movie, but no, you know, it's, it's, it's just... again, this is a really, really minor gripe. Yeah. If you aspiring writers out there are listening in, don't do stuff like, it took exactly two hours to drive to this location. The house was 20 meters tall. You know, don't dole out specific information like that. Let your imagery speak for it. Let the edit speak for it. The power of imagination will make it so. It's <laughs> a good point. The more specific you get, the harder it is for you to create a world that is filled in. Because then you have to fill in all the little nooks and crannies. Like, this street is 12 kilometers long, and this building is five stories tall. And all this little stuff. Let imagination fill in the cracks. You're not placing yourself in a very specific box in a specific timeline. The plot and the world will do that for you. That's a good point. Also, I have one problem. Uh, other than Keanu's acting for me, personal minor crap, like I, I don't really care. But one thing that bugged me was, you know, they go into the future to get the song from themselves. The song that's supposed to unite all of humanity and save time and space and reality as they know it. The thing is, though, they go into a future where they failed, but if they failed, time and reality as they know it would be over. So how would that timeline exist? Sam, Sam, I'm going to stop you right there. You <laughs> should never, saying. ever complain about... This is the only movie where you're not allowed to complain about time travel mechanics. Just, this is the just, only one. Any other movie, me. you can complain about it. But in this film, in particular, they make a point of making time travel a joke. It's yeah, part of the yeah. joke of the film, is that time travel does not make sense. Right? I guess. One way that I thought of explaining it was that reality didn't end, so those future timelines existed until no, the reality more, ended. The more you think about it, the less sense it's going to make. It, the joke is literally that it does not make sense. I think it makes <laughs> sense if you do it correctly. No, it like doesn't primer? make sense at all. Primer? If you, if you sat down and drew out the timeline on a piece of paper, you would very angry with oh yourself. not not in this movie not in this i'm talking about a movie that did it well oh no like other yeah. other films sure you can gripe about it but in in bill and ted's universe time travel is literally supposed to be a joke that's part mm. of why the movies are funny see i didn't like it as much in this one because in the previous ones you're just like whatever it's time travel they went back in time they brought a dude they brought him back so everything's fixed but like this one they go into a future that's not supposed to exist see that's that's the only thing that i had a gripe with I don't care about well, the actual mechanics. It, Sam. There's infinite pass. <laughs> but the future. That's it. That's, that, How does that, it that's exist? all you need. That's all you need, Sam. Stop trying to think about it. See, I didn't have a problem with them going to like the the infinite point and making infinite copies of themselves. I'm like, that's just dumb. You know, that's okay. But the future part, other than it being hilarious, their future well, old, selves being old. Ted explains they're like, there's infinite pass and infinite pathways. You know. Oh, speaking of that scene, that was so dumb that it was hilarious where Ted's talking to himself and he's like, I feel like 
I never got to know you. <laughs> it's like, because I didn't open myself up. I was like, Ted, that's you. You know yourself. <laughs> right? It's the, the dialogue is so intentionally stupid that it's genius. I kind of liked it, too. It was yeah, a joke. I liked it a lot. It was yeah. a joke, but it also had like kind of a moral message, which is that you have to allow yourself to accept your failures. That, too. That, too. It's like the, the moral compass of the film. Like the whole theme is that allowing yourself to accept failures and then accept it as part of yourself. And that was kind of what that, I took that to be what that scene was kind of about. And they managed to fit a couple of nice jokes in there too. It's so you know? funny. It was yeah. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get the after credits? Uh, what was in the after credits? Oh. Oh, when they're rocking out together? Yeah. Yeah. We still got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Those are some great prosthetics. There is there are some really nice effects in this film. Yeah, all practical. Like the prison scene, like the the head replacement they did. Oh, dude, that was amazing. I was <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? <laughs> the old man prosthetics, and specifically that scene, they were incredible. Oh, I actually yeah. thought that the rest of the film could have stood to look a little bit shittier. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I yeah, kind of okay. wanted the movie to look crappy. So, yeah, if you compare it to the originals, they had they just didn't give a crap, and they're like, here, put this foam piece on as a, as a futuristic jacket. It looks yeah. like garbage, and it's a joke. But then when they actually go to the future, like, the special effects looks nice, like, everyone, everything looks nice and pristine, and I was like, oh, I can feel the budget in this movie. It's way better. I don't know if it's necessarily a lot of money, but... It's just the way that technology has progressed. Like, some guy in his garage can make a scene like that, given enough time now. Whereas before, they had very sparingly used special effects, because it was all specialized labor, and they just didn't have any money. <laughs> Man, yeah, I just kind of missed the, we don't care, we're just gonna cobble together this, and it's okay, because it's the future nonsense. Yeah. It kind of. I, I liked that the film went from really interesting effects... Into like just we don't have any money left. Yeah. <laughs> We're just doing what we can. Here's a strobe light. This is our time travel machine. <laughs> ah, memories. Can we talk a bit about the time travel scenes? Yeah, sure. I, I thought that they were pretty lovely. They actually had a lot less to do in this film than in Excellent Adventure. But then Excellent Adventure was all about the time travel mechanics, and this this film kind of combines. Excellent adventure and bogus journey where they have like these different different ideas. Excellent adventure was a high school comedy through time. Bogus journey was a high school comedy through the exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very different films and they just kind of met in the middle here. I can't believe how much fun it was to see Jimi Hendrix like riff off against Amadeus Mozart. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. It's like a love letter to music. Yeah, the, the whole the whole film is a love letter to music, really. It's about how music can bring us all together. Accept your failures, overcome them. The film has, a, has like, heart and a theme, and it's a comedy. You mm, know how yeah, few comedies yeah. get made these days that are, like, not garbage? I cannot I think, think of the of, last yeah. comedy film I watched that was not garbage. Uh, I can't really think of it either. It's actually funny. Yeah, that's actually funny, and uh, you know what? Uh, we can just stop right there. That's actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, scary movie, maybe? No. <laughs> what was that, like 2006? I'm talking about the original, all right. Yeah. 
No, no, not not any, like the, the original scary movie was pretty funny. Austin Powers was pretty funny. Yeah, okay. I'll take that. But that was like 10 years ago. I can't think of anything. Like, comedies just don't get made very often anymore. Or if they do get yeah. made, it's like an Adam Sandler film. And that's that's basically it. There was whatever Adam Sandler vehicle. There's Paul Blart Mall Cop. Uh, no, I heard there's a new Nutty Professor movie being made. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyway, I don't. I don't want to be a negative in this review because the film is not negative. <laughs> the film is so disgustingly positive, Sam. Yeah. Ed's on a great note. A lot of people are hating on the ending, by the way. Really? Why? Because it's just it just ends. That's the whole point of the movie, though. It's, yeah. <laughs> there's no. And like even the credits, I really like because it's a montage of actual people all around the world just jamming to music, and it's like, oh, I loved that so yeah, much. Yeah, it, it, it was so much fun. It continues. I think from there's the a lot of Easter eggs in there. I think Metallica's in there and a bunch really? of other. Really? Wow. Yeah. David Grohl is one of those scenes. <laughs> Dave Grohl just shows up in this film. Yeah, he just like <laughs> he wrote the best song that was ever, and <laughs> just trying to steal it from him. That must oh. have been the fastest, like, casting slash location phone call of all time. Just call yeah. up Dave Grohl, like, hey, we're making Bill and Ted. Can we use your house? Local Hell talent. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be in the movie? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I don't know why people have the problem with that. Because, like, if you look at how the movie starts, it's all about the main, like, hurdle they have is decline and stagnation. Where they can't come up with the song and they've been trying so hard their entire lives to make this one song because you know rufus told them that they would make it and they don't want to give up and that's causing all sorts of trouble in their personal lives you know and it's in the in the couple therapy session where like the wives are saying that they were given a task that they can't solve but the thing is because of their dedication and they pass it on to their kids their kids are the ones who came up with the song but the thing is, the song wasn't the important thing. It wasn't the important part. It was just the people coming together. And I was like, this on a story level, it works so well. And he tied that in with the actual ending and then the credit sequence. I was like, this is, it's simple and it's, it's what we need though, you know? This movie has more going on than yeah. a lot of, a lot of films. A lot of films, so I... There's a lot of lessons to be learned, a lot of great, yeah. a great message in the, in the film, you know, overcome your failures and, you know, become the best version of yourself. Or, or like, it's, it's okay if you don't have the solution, you know? It's like you don't have to come up with the solution sometimes, you know? You can let go of it. Yeah. Like, you don't have to fix everything. It's about family. It's about family, yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's one, there's, the dialogue is so funny, it's genius. Like that one part where, you know, uh, they're at, after they come from the couples therapy, I have to write it down. It's like, that's why we gotta keep working, dude. And then it's like, but isn't that the problem? And then Ted's like, yeah, but it's also the solution. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it's both stupid, but also true. I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh man, you can fault it's them true. for so like yeah. I love how earnest they are. Yeah, like they've been banging their heads against the wall for twenty five years, and they just have, do, have not given up. Exactly, you know? and yeah, it's so wholesome. It's so so just, pure. It's yeah. so pure. Speaking of pure and wholesome, let's talk about Robot Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Dan is Caleb McCoy. <laughs> I suspected that the, the mm-hmm. character would be funny, like, from the very first appearance. And then it's just... The way they visually built that character up over the film is just perfect. Yeah. Okay. He looks without, threatening. Without needing any dialogue, until the first line of dialogue he speaks. And like the, the, the gag payoff is just great. <laughs> I'm sorry for lasering you. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I accidentally lasered your daughters. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's so funny when he kills himself because he's like, I can't take life anymore. I'm a failure. And then he ends up in hell too. And everyone's like, well, that's kind of weird. A robot in hell. Oh, those. Those demons, by the way, are the writers, Chris oh, really? Matheson and Ned Solomon. Yeah, they've had wow. they've had cameos in all the films. They did a fantastic job. They were they're the writers for all three films, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the characters Bill and Ted apparently are like improv comedy characters that they came up with. Wow. Okay. That's where that's where the, like the whole films are from. It was like this improv comedy bit that they did playing these two characters, and then they said. Well, we have these two characters, then what do we do with them? <laughs> make a movie. <laughs> Let's make a movie. It'll be an excellent adventure. There's lots of really funny stories like that. You remember the bit from Bogus Journey, Station? I came back in this one. Oh, wait, wait. Is Kid Cuddy Station, or is he referring to Station? Uh, I've read that it might be that he's like a reincarnation of Station or something like that. Interesting. But that whole bit is because... They ran out of, like, all, their entire budget just ran out towards the end of filming. And they were frantically cutting apart the film, just ripping, like, literally tearing pages out of the script. And mm. in the process, they had to reprint everything out from, like, a computer or whatever. And they deleted this giant block of dialogue that was supposed to be in the police station. And everything got deleted. And then in the middle of the page, there was just station in a big white space. Because <laughs> they didn't, they just missed one word. And then they handed out copies and they're like, station. Hilarious. <laughs> and that's where that joke is from. It's just because of a misprint on the, on the freaking script. Wow. And they were filming late at night and everyone just kept, kept screaming, station. <laughs> And now it's in the movie. That's that's the kind of movie they made. Wow. It's just, okay. it's just wonderful. It's like a, a huge running improv bit, I guess. Yeah. It's like, there are gags that have been running since the first film. Like, Missy is the exact same actor. That was such a funny bit, by the way. Oh, like she married, was it uh, Ted? Uh, Ted's, Ted's brother? little brother. Yeah. So now oh, he's technically oh, his on, own dude. son or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the heck, man? Oh, Missy. I guess never stop. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I like how Ted's dad is in the movie and then they reconcile at the end. It's like, oh, I should support you. But not you, Bill. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, Bill. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. I was like, oh. <laughs> man, and oh, that reminds me too. Like, the writing is actually very solid because... When uh, Dennis lasers, tries to laser Bill and Ted, and he misses and kills the dad and the SWAT truck. And I was like, why is, why did the SWAT truck get sent to hell too? And then later they just take it out of hell. And I was like, mm, okay. Look, I it's see a what plot you did device. There. Your plot device. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, oh, it conveniently fits everyone in hell. Yeah, that's fine. I liked the little character introduction for death. He's like, Ugh. Like, oh, he's playing hopscop by himself. 
And he's cheating. He's <laughs> cheating. <laughs> oh, oh it's, just, it's just great comedy writing. Yeah, it's so good. An album with all bass. <laughs> it's like old, old school comedy writing where each yeah. joke has multiple payoffs. Yeah, it does. They just layer on top of each other. It's kind of like early, early seasons of The Simpsons did this, where a joke would have a payoff and then another payoff. And then it would just keep going. <laughs> The good old days. Yeah, the good old days before yeah. gratuitous use of laugh tracks, where yeah. you'd have a joke and it would just pay off, and then you'd have to stop everything, and there would be a laugh track overlaying, Ugh. and that's the entire joke, and you don't get anything else. And that's how humor. writing has been for yeah. a while. Yeah, it's like, true. Like Big Bang Theory. Like here's the joke. Here's the punchline. Oh, laugh, my. laugh, 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 laugh. Do you know, I, uh, <laughs> I I'm gonna admit this though, but I watched most of Big Bang Theory. Because uh, there was this cute girl who uh, said she liked it, so I watched it. So oh, it was like, uh, Sam. A couple of years back. But uh, the first season, the humor was okay. And then after season one, it went all the way into the toilet. If you take the laugh track out, it's actually not funny. You see how painfully unfunny it is. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Dennis. Dennis. I feel like... But the only thing that I had a problem with... Didn't you say you had a problem with Dennis? Yeah, I had a problem with okay, it because I, I, I know yeah. people who are actually like Dennis who are really sweet people and they just... Uh-huh. They, they're just not good at functioning in social situations. Uh-huh. But they're really great people. Once you get... Once you can dig deep beneath that, that outer layer, they're great. But it feels it feels bad laughing at at this character because I know people exactly like that. Oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> I just felt like it was a a rip off death, you know, like a trying to recreate death, but he it wasn't quite there. Well, it's like a, a discount death for me. I don't know what this trope is called, but it, like where you where you turn your main main villain, villain to like a joke. Oh, okay. Okay, that happens in anime a lot, so... Uh, it happens a bit in anime. It's it's a pretty common thing in more comedic movies. It's always an interesting choice, because then you have to rely just on really solid characters, and, like, maintaining tension without, like, a credible threat is, is tough. Yeah. Um, other films that have done this... Let's see. Guardians of the Galaxy did this to an extent. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> oh yeah, Did dude. Oh, extent. I love Ragnarok. <laughs> and and Bill and Ted, to be clear, goes way further than those films as far as as turning like the, the primary antagonist into into a joke. But the film's primary nemesis, you know, the primary conflict is is with themselves. You know, it's yeah, exactly. overcoming your own failures. Yeah. That's that's why it works. That's why it works. They for already have the true enemy. It's, it's there already. True enemy is a stopwatch. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's within. Within what? Within what? Within oh, yourselves. I <laughs> uh, I still can't get over the scene where where Ted's talking to himself. Uh, it's just so the writing is so good. I never seen writing that's this funny without relying on innuendos, shock value, just potty mouth it's just it's just so smart so intentionally dumb that it's hilarious and it works on multiple levels like you said it's not just funny it has like a 
a theme behind it. It's like a lesson or a moral behind it. That's that sticks with the rest of the film. It's not like a one-off either. So, well, it's important to maintain likable characters and like a moral core, like a moral center to the film yeah. in a comedy. If you make a joke at the expense of a character and there's no overriding theme behind it, then you're just being mean, right? Exactly. And you might get a laugh, yeah. but it's a pretty guilty laugh. It's a but cheap if, laugh. Yeah, it's a cheap laugh. Yeah. Like, Europe Trip or whatever that film was is pretty guilty of this. Mm, okay. Where they make lots of jokes at expenses of, at the expense of characters and stuff like that. And you're, you get a chuckle out of it and you're like, oh, I feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you're just laughing at people. Yeah, I remember a scene in Me, Myself, and Irene where he shoves a goose off a, up a dude's butt. Yeah, we're like like something is just violence or, or stuff yeah. like that. And yeah, it's it's funny for a bit, and then you're like, oh, we're just unclean, <laughs> unclean. <laughs> yeah. But if your characters mean the best, the core of the film is about being good natured. Then you can just get away with more stuff like that. Totally, like <laughs> you the can get away Dennis, with laughing like, at Dennis. You know, Dennis lasering their entire family and sending all of them to hell. And you're like, oh, this is okay. <laughs> I'm okay that was a great joke, by the way. Like yeah. visually, where they're all following to hell, and like Mozart just slams into the ground in the background. <laughs> oh. I thought that was hilarious. That reminds me of like Napoleon. Oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Excellent adventure. I also thought there's maybe a little bit of a subtle joke when Bill and Ted come across their daughters in hell. Like they would go to rescue them, and they just almost immediately find them. And they're, like, toiling away in menial labor. And Bill and Ted are like, Oh, you guys okay? And they're like, Yeah, alright. <laughs> 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 like, there's a couple layers to that joke. Because, again, they haven't been very specific about how time passes in hell. But there's, there's basically two options. One is, they're in the same time frame. And they arrived, like, a few minutes later. Mm, okay. The other option is, they've been stuck down there for, like, ten years. Oh, that would have been hilarious. Oh, 50 then. years. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they're just chilling there. I got like, I got like an initial chuckle, and then I got like a bigger chuckle later on when mm. I thought about it. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> they might have been in hell for like 50 years. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. You're right. You I didn't know. even think like, about that. Like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Pretty great. It's pretty great. Also, like, uh, one other thing. Going along like the theme of it being wholesome and positive. I liked how one of their primary motivations uh, was to do better for their wives so they don't leave them. So it's not like we have to save the world, you know. They care about that, obviously. But, like, more importantly, they wanted to save their, their family. It's all about family, Barry, in the end. <laughs> yeah, I like that they frame it not that, like, we have to get our wives back. Like, the villains, like, the bad versions of themselves say, like, we have to get our wives back. Yeah. Like, they, the true of the selves are just like, oh, man, we have to, we have to figure out how to fix our marriages. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How to fix themselves, you know. Let's it's not, not like a one-sided thing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, future, you suck balls. <laughs> it's like, I know. <laughs> future, use a dickweed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, my future self was okay, but you, you were. There, there's lots of great laughs, and the, the core of the film is just great. Do you have any, anything else you'd like to go over? I think that's it. All right, well, then, closing thoughts. 
I've been anticipating this film for a very long time because Bill and Ted is such a classic film. Yeah. Excellent Adventure was a film that should not have had the success that it did, but it managed to be amazing. And it has had incredible cultural staying power. And if anything, it has only become more and more popular with time. It's an astonishing success story where 30 years on, everybody knows Bill and Ted now. In one way or another, even if you haven't seen the film. They're probably not like, excellent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You might not just know like, whoa. Oh. That screen grab of Keanu like, whoa. That's pretty famous, I guess. But other than that, the original film was made for probably very little money. It was a springboard for Keanu Reeves' career. And here we are 30 years on. <laughs> They're right back to it, and it manages to be wholesome and heartfelt and has so much more going on for it than I see almost every other major film <laughs> in the last, like, five years. I loved the film. I loved almost everything about it. I don't think it's perfect by any sense, you know, but it was a lot of fun and a ray of sunshine in the dark, dour nature of the present so i rate this it's really hard to rate this film because a lot of it defies like conventional cinema i guess a lot of it is done deliberately in a way that's a little bit crappy yeah and that's part of the humor yeah oh gosh i don't know what to say i think i think i might give this nine suicide squads mm, okay I find very little to be genuinely at fault with the movie, but high recommendation for me. How about you, Sam? Yeah, uh, man, I don't know how to put it, but it if you like The Excellent Adventure and if you like Bogus Journey, it combines the best parts of those films and modernizes it and still keeps that the spirit of those films. And it's so wholesome, so pure, so earnest, like you said. And it's just a feel-good film. There's really no cynicism. It's funny. It's well-written. Like, the only, like, again, minor gripes that did, really didn't bother me. Like, I felt it might, like, I know, I know you disagree, but, like, I felt like Keanu's performance as Ted was, like, a little lacking compared to what he did before. It's not a big deal for me. And the time travel was a little more crappy than, <laughs> like, mechanically speaking. But, like you said, it's a joke. But, uh... Other than that, it's just like this lovely film where I I know I said this before, maybe I haven't said it on the podcast, but I wasn't feeling the trailer. I, I was like, oh no, this movie's gonna suck. And when I watched it, I was proven wrong from like the first few minutes. And so hopefully, if you guys are a fan, you'll consider giving this a go because it really is a lovely film. Uh, Alright, I'm gonna give it a 9 as well. Technically speaking, from the all of the aspects of cinema, cinema, cinematography, you know, it's not like an outstanding film, but in terms of like just having fun and coming out with a smile, uh, totally an, a nine for me. Totally, man. I think, unfortunately for Christopher Nolan, this is going to be the time travel movie of the year. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Tenet actually you're is right. out. It's, uh, oh, really? It has, it's out in international release right now. In theaters? Mm, who knows? I don't. Are theaters still a thing? 
I feel like they aren't. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't even know if movie theaters are going to be a thing in next year. I think, yeah. I think all of the major chains will have gone collectively bankrupt. Oh my god, it's just going to be $30 online rentals from now on, regardless yeah. of if the service is paid or not. Movie is just no longer a thing. That's yeah. It. Well, drive throughs exist, but I don't want to go into a drive-in. I mean, a drive-in theater, not a drive through That would be awkward. Just drive through and you're like, done. anyways anyways be excellent to each other that's right party (laughs) wait party on party on dudes yeah party on dudes yeah all right should we end it there anything else you want to add no i think that well covers it there is just lots of fun in the film great performances by everyone uh especially the daughters surprisingly standout performances from them they felt like bill and ted you know yeah very much. A lot of the same charisma and energy from them, which I was very much worried about. Samara Weaving and uh, Brigitte Lundy Payne do great jobs. They sure did. I was like, dang, it kind of felt like it was just the Bill and Ted. It was Keanu and Alex Winter, and then just CGI'd like a female body over them <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> All right, well, that was episode 38 of the Pointy Hatcast. Thank you for dropping in and listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to send us any questions, you can email us at pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Once again, the email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. All right, catch you guys next time. Thanks for dropping by, guys. Stay pointy. Stay pointy. And party pointy. on, dudes. <laughs> Be excellent to each other. <laughs>